0: So before I go ahead and start, if you don't have your Bibles uh, with you today, the words are going to be up on the screen. I use the CSB standard or the CSB version of the Bible, so if it's a little different from yours, that's why. Uh, But if you need a Bible, we have them in the pews, and I have it written down on my hand so I don't forget. It starts on page 1089, uh, if you're curious. So, Um, but yeah, so... I did want to do a little bit of an introduction, so if you uh, wouldn't mind just going ahead and throwing that next uh, graph up there from the slideshow, that'd be great. OK, so there's a lot of information up there. Just I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but my name's Jacob Tice, for those who don't know me. And if you just read my name for the first time on the screen, uh, I grew up here in Columbus. Uh, I was saved in this church when I was about 16. And a couple years later, God began calling me into full time ministry and specifically to fulfill the Great Commission in my life by going internationally to Japan. So I took about 10 years to get prepared and go to school and take way too long to get an undergraduate degree and start my master's. It took me like six and a half years to get a four year degree. Riddle me that one. I don't know how it worked out that way, but it did. Um but then I moved back here and in 2019 uh, started the application with the International Mission Board. Uh, it's a missions organization. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, especially being a Southern Baptist Church as it is a Southern Baptist denomination kind of entity um, but before I get into all that, I just wanted to you know share with you where I was at. So Columbus is a city of about what like, 3,500, 3,600 people, give or take whatever year. So I lived in Osaka, Japan, which is the second largest city in Japan. So when people think of Japan, they're probably thinking Tokyo. Japan has a population of about 128 million people. 37 and a half million live in the Tokyo metropolitan area. That's not where I was at, that's too big for me. So I went to the, the smaller city, Osaka, where in the metropolitan area, there's about 19.3 million people. So as you know, it felt like a small town. Um, that's where I lived for about three years. Uh, with the uh, IMB, I served on the Saturate Osaka team. Uh, that's what we kind of call ourselves there. Um, and it was just an amazing time. And I've shared with the church before, and I'd love to share with you all uh, individually, if you ever want to know... I do also have prayer cards available on either side of the stage. There are new prayer cards with prayer prompts, you know, QR codes and websites that you can go to for our team website to find out what we're about and what we do there in Osaka, but also the IMB's website if you're ever interested in praying uh, with more insight, praying for specific areas, giving or going even. There's tons of ways you can go. Uh, but yeah, so I served with IMB as an ISCR. And that's our denomination's international sending force. And so the, as our denomination set up the cooperative program. For those who don't know what that is, there's going to be a lot of like statistics here in a minute. And I swear, this isn't the sermon. We're going to get into some good stuff. But it, you, this season is important, especially for, for people like me and the rest of the world, really. Uh, so the cooperative program. A long time ago, our denomination basically decided look, instead of trying to tackle everything that's going on with the world by ourselves, now each church should go and do the things in their local community as they, like on their own, but how much better would it be if we united as an entire denomination? And thus the cooperative program was born. So the cooperative program is really just, you know, as you tithe uh, to the church. Throughout the year, the church will give roughly, I think on average, of about 15 to 55%, depending on the church's ability. Uh, Some more, some less than those statistics. And that goes to the cooperative program. 50% of that goes to pay for all things done here in North America. So church revitalization, uh, church planning, pastors in need, uh, seminary discounts, uh, paying for things at the six seminaries we have in in the States, uh, relief work, all of this different stuff, that that goes to pay for that. So that's a pretty large amount. And then the other 50% goes directly to the International Mission Board because it takes a lot of money to be able to go and, and do do these things. That 50% makes up... Yep, just want to make sure I have my numbers right. Makes up 37% of what we need on an annual basis, and so that leaves quite a deficit, and that's why this season that we're in is so vitally important to the mission uh, to the mission field and the Great Commission being carried out during the Lottie Moon Christmas uh, Offering season. One hundred percent of everything that's donated goes directly to the IMB, and that makes up another sixty-one percent of what we need, and then the other two percent just comes from random donations and things through the year. But that, that goes for so much. That goes to provide living for the missionaries, housing. It goes to provide for medical care. It goes to provide for, most importantly, the ministry needs and and relief work. You know, there are so many uh, areas of the world that are hurting right now. So the earthquake in Turkey, earthquakes in Japan, you know, all of the, the war in Ukraine, all of that is being funded by uh when imb is involved it gets funded from what imb has and so your giving not only goes to share the gospel and to provide resources that we need but it goes to provide that relief because we don't want to just care for people's spiritual well-being while that is what's most important we want to care for their physical needs as well and that allows us to do that so from the bottom of my heart as an imb missionary who has benefited from that as a seminary student who's benefited from the cooperative program, I just wanted to say thank you for the way that the church has given and prayed. Uh, prayer is arguably the most important aside from finances. You know, Without a foundation of prayer, it's really uh, not built on a strong foundation at all. So I just wanted to thank you on behalf of me, on behalf of my team, all the IMD. And just kind of another thing, I didn't realize this until I recently gone to our training center in Virginia. Uh, There's about 36. Uh, hundred. I almost said thousand. Thirty-six hundred missionaries actively on the field, with about twelve hundred in the pipeline, getting ready to go. And that's just an amazing thing. Trying to tackle this crazy, uh, this crazy thing uh, called the rest of the world. Uh, so even that's not enough. And so we need more workers. And we partner with people all the time that aren't IMB. You know, I work with people uh, in Japan and in Osaka that come from all walks of life, who are there on their own, there through various different organizations. And so uh, I'd encourage you, if you're ever interested in going, let me know, and maybe I can get you connected to someone that uh, would benefit you. Um, But yeah, so that's just a way of introduction. Uh, So for today's sermon, I really, uh, I called it the Spirit-Filled Follower. And before we go into Acts 8, uh, 26 through 40, and again, the words will be, uh, the scriptures will be up on the screen if you just want to follow along there. You can turn on your phone, get your Bible there. Or there's a Bible in the pew, or your physical Bibles if you got them. Um, but there's a really famous passage in the scriptures. I'm not talking about John 3:16, although that is very famous and very good. I'm talking about the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 uh, I'm probably going to misquote it, so I hope I don't, uh, but it, you know, it teaches us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to command, uh, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you, and lo, like behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. and so we as Christians are called to live missionally wherever we're at. Yes, I, I, I am a missionary, so I Go overseas. That's where I live for long periods of time. But that doesn't mean that missions is only for missionaries. Every single Christian is called to live on mission. This command given in the Great Commission is for all of us. And so missions exist everywhere. There's nothing special about me other than God wanted me to fulfill the Great Commission specifically in my life by going to Japan. He's calling you to fulfill it specifically by serving here in Columbus. And so I just wanted to kind of preface it with that. Uh, that's a very near and dear passage to my heart. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and get into the sermon. So sorry if I talk real fast or anything like that. Like Josh said, I get a little nervous. So it's been a while since I've done this. But um, yeah, so let's go ahead and, and read. So if you can and are willing and able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of reading God's word. Again, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 26 through... Oop, let me make sure I have it. <laughs> yes, verses 26 through 40. Uh, it seems like a long passage, but I promise I'll try and get us out of here at a respectable hour. So. Um, so an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, Go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you were reading? He said, How can I, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come, to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is this prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What what would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll dive right in. Lord, we just thank you for today, and I just thank you for the ability to speak uh, to the church, and Lord, to be able to relay what you've laid on my heart with this Ethiopian eunuch passage and Acts. I just pray that you would guard our hearts uh, and just guide them, Lord, and just open them up to what you want us to hear and learn today, that, Holy Spirit, you would illuminate our, our, our minds, our, our thoughts, our, our hearts, our souls, Lord, to receive this daily bread from you. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So if you see me looking down, uh, in Japan, I got really used to working with a translator and typing out everything I was going to say. So I have my notes here with me, uh, just to kind of keep me on track. So today's sermon is The Spirit-Filled Follower, and I think this is a really uh, timely message, especially being at the end of 2023 and 2024, starting tomorrow. I know that for me, I want this next year to be a year where my life is characterized by being a spirit-filled follower of Christ, taking those opportunities to faithfully serve when and where he has me. But the first point that I want to make is the spirit, uh, spirit-filled following and obedience. So in verses 26 through 21, we see that the Holy Spirit you know, calls Philip to go and do cert- uh, several things. He calls him to a specific place to a specific person at a specific time who was reading a very specific passage. And this is, this is nuts, but like Philip obeyed. Like he just, hey, go out to this random place. There's going to be someone on a cart. Go up to the cart. Get in the chariot, not cart, chariot. And, and let me work through you. Philip obeyed. So he knew that God had you know, saved him for a very specific purpose. God has saved all of us to know him and to make him known to share the truth with those around us and we have been called from death to life to share the gospel with those around us so the spirit led him to this beautiful divine appointment that I like to call it i'm sure you've heard of that phrase before philip could have said no he could have changed his mind he could have you know argued with god how he wasn't ready or was unable to speak, as we've seen other characters in the scriptures do before, of, God, I'm not the most eloquent speaker, or, I, you know, who am I to say these things? But we know that God works through our imperfections to bring about his perfect will. So he could have done anything else, but he was walking in step with the Holy Spirit, which led him to want to obey the Spirit. As he encountered God more, he wanted to magnify God more. And so Philip obeyed. And so the question from this particular point is, are we going to obey and follow the spirit in our own lives in what he gives us? We constantly have uh, the choice to make to honor God and follow what he wants or to follow our flesh and our own selfish desires. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have fun. It's wrong to enjoy the life that God's given you. In fact, he wants us to do those things. He wants us to enjoy each other's company, enjoy our homes, enjoy our TVs, our cars, our family. He wants us to enjoy things, but he wants us to enjoy it with him, abiding in him. You know, when we choose not to abide in Christ, when we choose not to follow the spirit, then everything kind of starts going haywire. So again, this doesn't mean that we constantly have to worry about what we're doing or are we becoming legalistic in what we're thinking. But in fact, it's, it's more just letting us know that the more we abide with God, the more that our desires, the more our wants, the more our will is naturally going to begin to follow suit, just like Phillips did. So honoring God and following him is a natural byproduct of a changed, surrendered life in Christ. But maybe, you know, it's like, how do, well, what does this mean for me in today? Like, obviously, people aren't driving around in chariots here. I mean, hey, in some places of the country they do. Uh, but we don't really see that much here anymore. So, what does that mean for us? Well, maybe you're in the store. Maybe you're at work. Uh, maybe you're on a family trip. Maybe you're on social media. A lot of people are on social media. Honestly, it's a dumpster fire, in my opinion. But hey, to each his own. Uh, but you know there are just so many ways that the world is connected now so many ways that people are interacting with each other just like philip interacted with this unit and so we all need to be looking for those moments wherever we're at and asking the spirit to show us what opportunities are you giving me today to be a to like follow the spirit to obey the spirit to to take those divine appointments, those opportunities, those privileges that God's giving us to share the good news of the gospel, to share what we're learning, to share how God has been good to us with those around us. How are we going to do that? We need to be doing that in all of these moments. And so we, in all of that though, uh, you know, there are times that, you know, I kind of get a little, like, well, I don't know, probably, a little fool of myself, if I'm honest. You know, I kind of think I know everything to say and and whatnot. But I learned a long time ago, and I'm still learning uh, quite often, that it's not the wise words, the sage-like advice that I have that people need to hear. But it's what it's what God wants to communicate through me. And so, as we're going out and sharing, we need to understand that we don't need to be argumentative. We don't need to. Uh, I know this word might be a little strong, uh, obnoxious. I've been at fault for that. I've done that in life. And honestly, I've seen it do way more harm than it ever did good. But we need to be able to meet people where they're at and share with them by being led by the spirit. So when we go out, it's scary. It's nerve wracking. We may not want to do it, but we can rest knowing that, you know, God says he is with us to the very end of the age. Like, He's going before us. He's already preparing the field. He's going to give us the words to say. And no, nothing might happen. Someone might say, oh, I don't want that. That's good for you, but I'm going to do me or whatever the case may be. We're just called to be faithful and to go share. And so are we going to do that? The Spirit's going to let us know when, where, with whom to go, and what to say. And the second point that I want to bring up today is Spirit-filled sharing. So... What are we to share? You know. Um, well, first, what we say is actually important. I don't know if you realize that or not. There's a lot being said in the world. Like I said earlier, social media is dumpster fire. Honestly, the world itself is kind of a dumpster fire right now. There's a lot of stuff being said, a lot of things being expounded as if it's the truth, and it's not. It's just detrimental. It's it's horrible. Uh, So what are we sharing? Well, we as Christians, we have the truth. We have God's very word. So what do we need to be sharing? First and foremost, we need to be sharing the gospel. People can't understand spiritual things. They can't understand the scriptures unless they have the spirit dwelling in them. And they don't have the spirit dwelling in them unless they come to believe. And they don't believe unless they hear the gospel. So we need to be sharing the gospel. So what is the gospel? All of us probably know it, but quite simply the gospel is that God created us to know and love him and walk in relationship with him and we botched it we screwed it up by sinning sin is anything you do say or think that is wrong or contrary to what God has deemed holy and pure and that sin guess what just like work and we get paid for work we get paid for our sin and that is death So death physically, death spiritually, eternally separated from God. But what's crazy is God made us, knowing all of this would happen, knowing that he would have to provide the only way out, the only way back into a right standing, a right relationship with himself. So he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, fully God, fully man, to live the perfect standard, the life that we couldn't, and died the death that we all deserved on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and three days later he came and rose again. We just got done celebrating his birth and the fact that he did all of this and and that he's coming again for all those who believe. And it's just an amazing season we're in, and we can really be in that season all year. Uh, But the gospel is that, you know, Jesus came, lived the life we couldn't, died the death we deserved, was buried three days, rose again. And when we realize our need for that bridge, our need for that savior, Jesus, when we realize that we are, we are broken and we cannot fix ourselves, nothing we do can ever get us back to God. It's everything that God did to get us back to himself. And so by believing in what Christ did, by believing in who he is, by repenting and genuinely surrendering your life to Christ, you will be saved and stand in right relationship forever. Like nothing can take that from you. So that is the gospel. It's a mouthful, I know, but it's true. And that's what we need to be sharing, and that's what Philip was sharing with this eunuch. We see that you know, this eunuch was reading a scroll of Isaiah. We see that Philip arguably knew you know, what scriptures they had available at the time. And I didn't know if you know this, but the Bible wasn't necessarily completed at this point in time, but they did have quite a bit of the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, available to them. And so this eunuch is reading a, a part of the scroll, a part of Isaiah, and Philip just goes. He has no idea what this guy is going to be reading. He has no idea what's going to be said. He has no idea how he's going to respond. But we see that Philip was prepared to share and to give a defense and to lead him in the truth. So we also need to be prepared to share, to give a defense, and to answer any questions that people might have about the scriptures So real quick, there's this phrase that uh, I've been guilty of living by in life, especially in college uh, with final exams and papers. I know a lot of uh, younger people in this room have either been through college or everyone in this room has probably been through college at some point and younger people are either there themselves or getting ready to. But the phrase is flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, That's a phrase that I've lived by more times than I care to admit. Uh, But that is not at all what we see Philip doing in this passage today. So sometimes life does actually have opportunities that we might not be ready for. But not being ready for an opportunity does not mean that we can't be prepared for the opportunity. While I was in Japan, uh, in Osaka, in a city of 19.3 million people, Uh, I got to know this uh, cafe, this hotel, really, really well. It was like five minutes from my house. They had cheap coffee, really great atmosphere, and a lot of the workers spoke English. I didn't know if you know this, but English isn't really a language spoken a lot in Japan. And so anytime I could actually have some conversation on a deeper level other than how's the weather, or I'd like this, please, off the McDonald's menu, uh, I took the opportunity. And so through this you know there were a lot of workers at this hotel and they had a cafe there who spoke really good english but they had a lot of them who didn't and they really wanted to be an international like kind of hotel and so uh i started teaching english there so for a year and a half i was teaching english every week i'd go every couple couple days and just grab some coffee and hang out Uh, but this one moment uh, they knew who i was they knew that i was a missionary in japan but one of the workers who didn't really speak English and was working through translation through the, through the boss who knew perfect English asked me, why was I a missionary in Japan? And I wasn't ready for that moment, but I was prepared to give the answer. And I told them why I wanted the Japanese to become Christians, why I think that the Bible is the only source of truth, who Jesus is. And, and this guy, this, this manager, translated it all for me because he understood perfectly what I was saying, translated it for all the workers who had no idea what I was saying in English. And so, arguably, I wasn't ready for that moment, but I was ready, I was prepared for uh, that situation. So just as the Spirit led me to this hotel to establish this relationship, he led Philip. So, when Philip gets there, he asks, do you understand what you're reading? And he proceeded to share from that point in scripture all the way up to where Jesus, who Jesus is, what he did, and what he is going to do. And he launched off where the eunuch was. And so I think it's also important that as we're going through life and we're seeing these opportunities to share and be led by the spirit, that we also allow the spirit to lead us to meet people where they are at, and that we wouldn't uh, strut our stuff, so to speak, but really just be sensitive to where the spirit's leading because god knows where people are at god knows exactly how to communicate to people and exactly what they need to hear and when they need to hear it so we need to be attentive and listen to the to the spirit as well and uh we need to be prepared to share and so one thing that i've really been learning a lot lately is how to abide in christ this isn't something i'm doing perfectly but i uh, i'm doing better each day i, I would like to think but abiding in Christ means, first and foremost, we're abiding in his word. See, we can't share what we don't know, and we won't know the word unless we're actively in it, chewing on it, letting God convict our hearts and change our minds and change our lives through the word. And so we need to be abiding in God's word so that we can know it and then we can share it. But This doesn't mean that we have to have all the answers. Like, you know, I'm just I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't know everything. And I'd be willing to bet that Victor and Josh don't know everything either. And, and you know, we're always learning. That's the crazy thing about the scriptures is, is that you can read the same passage over and over again your whole life and always learn something new or learn something deeper or be reminded of something. So we don't need to have all the answers. So we need to be ready to share what we do know. We also need to be ready to say, I don't know. We live in a world where everyone wants to be right. I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying it about myself. I like to be right. My dad can attest to you and so can my mom. Uh, I was a pretty argumentative child uh, growing up. You know, I was always right. Uh, But we need to be ready to say we don't know and that we're willing to go find the answer and get back with them on it. Go find the answer together or point them to somebody who might be uh, able to uh, talk a little deeper into what they're kind of having questions about. And so we need to be ready, and we need to know that it's not our puffed-up knowledge, our pride, or our sage-like advice, but like I said earlier, it's God's words are what people need to hear. And so we need to know that and see that Philip allowed the Spirit to give him the words to say. Philip was led by the Spirit to go. He was also led by the Spirit to share. And so are we going to do the same thing in our lives? The third point I want to make is probably the shortest out of the four points. I have no idea what... Okay, so, you know, I'm cooking with a little less time uh so the third point i want to make is excited to follow i think this is a really important thing to look at as well so we're actually going to look at the eunuch so the eunuch as they were traveling the road uh, it says they came to some water and the eunuch said look there's water what's stopping me from being baptized he was excited to follow this eunuch was going up to jerusalem to worship you know he we, i have no idea where he was at in life you know Philip didn't have any idea where he was at in life, but he was reading the scripture in Isaiah, trying to understand, trying to worship, trying to get to know who God is. You know, Jesus and what he was doing was all over the headlines in uh, this area of the world at this time and and what he did. And so, you know, he's probably trying to get to know who God is more. And so Philip comes along, goes, do you understand? Shares with them arguably shares the gospel with him. He shared what Jesus did, and Jesus did the gospel, right? And so this guy comes to faith and is so excited. He goes, what's stopping me? Sees some water, orders the chariot to stop, jumps out, gets dunked, and gets baptized. Baptism is a little more sacred than dunking, so I just got a little ahead of myself there. But he gets excited. There's this zeal so when he heard the good news, he believed and instantly was thrilled that he could follow Christ. For a lot of us, the first steps of obedience that we have is in our Christ-filled lives is to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And so baptism is a wonderful thing. It's this public declaration of the inward change that's taken place in our hearts. It's a bold statement saying that we are no longer our mistakes. We are no longer our past. We are no longer what the world tries to accuse us of. We are n- no longer uh, a part of the world. But we, our identity, is solely wrapped up and hidden with Christ on high, and nothing can change that. Nothing can take that from you. So our identity is with Christ. So this unit was a very important person, and was so excited about his new life and identity that again he wasted no time. He pulled the chariot over and got baptized. He wanted to follow the Lord. So when we first come to faith, a lot of us have this zeal, this kind of excitement to follow. And I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of days that I'm not excited. There are a lot of days that, you know, I don't want to go do what God's led me to do. You know, there were days in Japan where all I wanted to do was sit on the couch and not go out of my front door. There are days where I just don't feel it. And so what do we do? We ask the spirit to renew in us a steadfast spirit to renew in us a heart of zeal that is excited to follow him and to be used. (laughs) Like I don't know how mind-blowing this is for you guys, but God, the God who made every atom and inch of the universe and holds it all together in his hands is the same God that saved us, is the same God that chooses to use us for his perfect will and plans and it's actively saying, I want to use you. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't need us. But he chooses to use us. Like, that is mind-blowing. And so, are we going to be excited to follow him? Uh, That's something that I need to work on a, a lot in life. You know, there are days where we just don't feel it. And even in moments, you know, don't ever shy away from sharing or taking those moments to be faithful with the opportunities God's given you if you don't feel it. I can't tell you how many times I didn't feel it necessarily, but I still shared and I was the better for it. Like if I was having a bad day and didn't want to talk to anybody, God would inevitably always have a situation where I would share with someone and then I would feel better because what happens is is I'm experiencing God, which is just the best remedy for ever getting rid of any issue. But I saw the spirit working and that just was good for my heart, good for my soul. So the final the final point that I want to make is getting in the chariot, and I just want to stop and say I hope all this is making sense. So if not, you can come and pick, like, talk with me afterwards, or you know, tell me any questions or concerns you might have. Uh, But the fourth point is getting in the chariot, or get in your chariot. So this is the final point that I wanted to make for today, and it's that we all have this call to make on a daily basis to get in the chariots to get in these opportunities that god shares or gives us to take that opportunity that chance that god given divine appointment so i have another story i like sharing stories especially about japan Uh, i was like i said i served in japan for three years and when i first got there there was this uh, man i met at our teams uh, at that point church plant that uh, no longer exists unfortunately but uh, this guy is going to the church where i was a member at now Um, His name is Baba-san. His last name really is Baba. I don't know his first name. His American name is apparently Andrew, but I just felt weird calling a Japanese man Andrew. So I just went with Baba-san, which is like the honorific for like Mr. or whatever. Uh, But Baba-san and I got to know each other a little bit. His English had gotten better. He had spent some time in the States, I think in Idaho. He had some Christian exposure. Like Idaho of all places, I don't know. If you're from Idaho, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's a great state. But, uh, yeah, so he spent some time in Idaho way before I was born uh, and got exposed to what he said was Christianity then. And I had no idea. So he always wanted to hang out and practice his English. So one day he goes, hey, Jacob, let's hang out. I'm like, okay, I got you meet me at Kitahama train station. You don't need to know where Kitahama is unless you're ever in Osaka and I can show you where it is, but Kitahama train station. So I go and I meet him there and he goes, okay, like get in my car. I'm like, okay, that's a little different. Uh, so he takes me to a building that is filled with lawyers and I'm like, oh gosh, what is happening? He goes, hey, I need you to sit in the car. And I go, why? And he's like, well, I don't want to get a ticket. And There's no parking in Japan. You have to pay. So he basically just wanted me to sit on the side of the road, watch his car, so cops wouldn't give him a ticket. And they probably wouldn't talk to me because they would assume I don't know Japanese. And I mean, it was true, I didn't. Uh, So I'm sitting in this car, and he comes out, and he goes, okay, hey, like, go ahead and come on in. I want you to meet my friends, my lawyer friends. Apparently, he was settling a dispute with his brother and, like, some inheritance stuff. So after that, you know, we're driving, and we're driving through the city, and I'm like, I know where we're at. You know I'm thinking we 're going to go to a coffee shop, we're going to stop and talk, you know maybe go to a restaurant, I 'll pay for his dinner or something like that. And we just keep driving, and we drive 30 minutes clear out of a city of 19.3 million people up into the mountains. And I tell you, I literally thought, my goodness, this is it. This is how it is. Like no one's going to find me. I'm never going to go back to America. this this is where i meet jesus i didn't really know him that well but i mean i knew him well enough to know he's not like that but i mean in my mind i'm like okay like you literally just tell me to get in your car and we're all like up in the mountains so we go to this like beautiful uh area where there's this trail you can walk down in the mountains there's a beautiful waterfall and i'm just like okay is he gonna like push me in the water or what like i watch way too much id tv growing up so like i don't recommend it like i don't watch it no more uh, but we're, we're hiking, we're walking, and then we get back in the car and we keep driving through the mountains. And he starts driving by all these famous temples and shrines. And he starts explaining to me uh, about Buddhism and Shintoism and uh, the, the religions that he grew up with. And in this drive, again, I wasn't ready for this moment, but I got in my 21st century chariot and started talking to this guy and he has started asking me questions. What's the difference between Mormonism or I found out that the Christian exposure he had was Mormonism, which uh, is not Christianity. Um, And he was like, what's the difference between that? What's the difference between Buddhism? Why do you worship this way? What's the difference between temples and churches? Uh, What do you think about Jesus? We talked about so much. And I got to explain all of this stuff to him. But the point is is that I I got quite literally into a chariot. uh, But like... What chariot are you going to get in? God presents you with those opportunities every day. So are you going to get in your chariot? This is exactly what Philip did. He got up in that chariot. The eunuch said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And that's where we come in. So get out there, find your person, find your chariot, and take the opportunities that God is giving you. And you're going to love it, I I, I promise. It's going to be nerve-wracking. It's going to be scary. You might not want to do it, but you'll always see the Spirit work in ways that you never could have imagined. Do you want to say, though, it is not our job to save people? I don't know if you know that or not, but I personally did not lead one person to faith while I was in Japan, and I wrestled with that. I thought I was a failure. I thought, God, what did I do? That is not the measure of success. Of success. True success is you being faithful to do what God has called you to do. It is His job to save people. It is our job, however, to share the truth, to take that truth to people, and to make disciples. Saving someone is only something the Spirit can do. We just get the privilege of being a part of someone's salvation story, whether that's moving the pebble one step closer to that bucket where Christ is at, or whether it's getting the privilege of leading someone to faith. We get to be a part of that story. And so that brings us to today's application. I, uh, I always like trying to apply the application, or trying to apply the scriptures to both believers and unbelievers. So we're going to have some application for both. And I guess I'll go ahead and invite the musicians back up here. I guess that's the time to do it. Uh, so I haven't done this in a long time, and Japanese service is a little different. Uh, so yeah, musicians, if you want to go ahead and come up here for when we have the time of invitation. But for believers, uh, you know, I have a slide for the application, and I have the application that I'd like to give the believers. And verse 40, Philip literally, I don't know if you caught that, like God literally takes Philip and, in my mind, teleports him somewhere, takes him somewhere. And Philip, without missing a beat, just goes from town to town, sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, as if what happened is an everyday occurrence. The scripture doesn't tell us, like, honestly, I probably need a moment to collect myself. But Philip just went and he was sharing. So we need, we need to spread the gospel and be a beacon of light wherever he might have us. And, you know, I also want to throw another scripture up there. Uh, Romans 10, 13 through 15. We all know this probably. It's another famous passage, but it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, I'm turning around reading because my eyesight's not good enough to see what's on the TV back there. Uh, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear him without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news. We've all been sent. That great commission is for all of us. The example we see with this Ethiopian eunuch is for all of us. We are all called... To have beautiful feet, I mean my feet ain't beautiful, I don't know about y'all's, but to have beautiful feet and to take the truth to those around us. We see right here, and just like the Ethiopian eunuch, he would have kept reading that scroll probably unless God had sent someone else. They won't, they can't be saved unless they hear the good news. They won't hear the good news unless we are telling them. And so we need to be prepared. We need to abide with God. We need to share the truth in word. And share the truth in word and deed. Our lives also need to match what we're preaching. Our lives need to match what we're teaching. Our lives need to match what we say we believe. Because we need to show them, not just with our words, with our lives, that Jesus is worth following. He is better than what the world offers. The world screams so stinking loud for everyone's attention, even as Christians. The world is screaming. And wisdom is also screaming. God is also screaming and vying for our attention. We need to help them see him through our lives and our words. We need to, you know, I had, uh, I, have, I had a team leader or a boss who retired halfway through my term due to his wife's health reasons. But he always had a phrase, know him, know him, make him known. And that's another point of application. We need to know God personally. We need to know him Know him through his word so that we can go make him known to those around us. And we need to take the opportunities to get in our chariots. And so, as believers, are we abiding and growing in our walks with Christ? Which abiding with God, growing in our walks, enables us to know him, walk in step with him, be led by him, make him known to those around us. And so, are we doing that as believers? And I don't have a slide for this next part because I just wanted to talk to those who might be listening, who might watch this later who might be in this room today who are not believers i'm not calling you out i'm not pointing the finger i'm not i guarantee you if you came up this aisle during the time of invitation and gave your life to christ everyone in this room would be rejoicing it would be ecstatic it would make my heart glad it would make victor and josh's heart glad no one's gonna laugh or think any differently of you they would just be overjoyed that someone's come from death back to life and so as an as an unbeliever You've heard the gospel today. You know I shared it earlier when I said, what is the gospel? Well, simply it's this. That is a truth that I, I just really challenge you to not let pass by you today. As you go into this new year, go into the new year alive, alive in Christ. We all need saving from our sin. And for those who have not made that commitment to Christ yet, He's waiting with open arms to receive you back wherever you're at in life. You're not too dirty. You're not too far gone. You're not too out there for Jesus to save. He died for me. He died for you. He died for everyone in the world, for all those who would believe in him and receive that free gift of grace in life. He's ready to give that to you. And so if that's a choice that you haven't made today, I would invite you to come up during this time of invitation that we're going to have. I'm going to invite Victor to stand up here and and if you don't want to walk up because you're nervous or you don't want people looking at you, well, find a Christian that you know of here in this congregation and talk with them later. Call the church. Talk. The point is just talk with someone about the decision that you're thinking of making or the decision that you want to make to follow Christ. And maybe you are a believer and you just want some uh, prayer and just need to rededicate or just you know, get some answers to some questions. But regardless of whatever your reason is for coming, I just invite you to come up during this time of invitation pour out your hearts. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.